People are struggling, man. People, for one reason or another, they're unable to find that structure. It's really important for all of us who get it, right, who understand the importance of mental health and, and your emotional well-being on tour. It's important for us to work together because we get it. But what's really, really, really important too is to figure out a way to get the people who don't care on board as well. People will come to you and ask you questions if you walk the walk. There's nothing more important than living by example. Hello, Fitter Art Life podcast listeners. Today we're sharing with you the audio from our one-on-one interview series. We hope that you enjoy listening. Some of our discussion has references to pictures shown in our webinar. So if you want to see these pictures, you can always head over to the Theatre Art Life YouTube channel and watch the replay. Enjoy. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Ace and Janine. So Ace is a certified addictions worker who's been involved in the music industry since 1996. Uh, Ace knows the ins and outs of the road and the associated pressures and struggles He's been there as a musician, tour manager, stage manager, sound engineer, production manager, and is now now an addictions recovery coach. He's also the founding partner of Over the Bridge. His goals are to help break the stigmas and associated with addiction and mental illness through education, awareness, and support, and to provide resources to musicians, crew, and entertainment professionals. So thanks, Ace. Nice to meet you again. Nice to meet you again as well. And thanks for reading that whole thing off. Much appreciated. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it's important to give the background, you see. Uh, And Janine Diaz is a wellness advocate, teacher, and certified health coach. She's the creator and host of the Tour Life podcast and the Thriving podcast, where she speaks with music industry professionals about living happier and healthier lives on and off the road through her podcasts and private practice. She strives to amplify the often unheard voices of the music industry and to bring awareness to the importance of prioritizing mental, physical, and emotion, emotional health. Welcome, Janine. Thank you, Anna. Hello, Ace. <laughs> hey, how you doing again? <laughs> and the good thing is these two know each other, so it's going to be an easy conversation. <laughs> yeah. So I, before um, we get started with some of the topics of conversation about mental health, COVID, and, uh, you know, where we're at, state of play, I'd like to just, if you guys could give a little peep background for those who don't know you about how you got into this line of work uh, in the entertainment industry in terms of your mental health support. So maybe we'll start with you, Ace. So I started off uh, playing drums when I was at the age of nine, played for until I was 29, so about 20 years there. During that time, I was a tour musician. I booked all our shows. I booked the vans. I was the tour manager without even knowing that was a job. I was the band babysitter, cat wrangler, whatever you want to call it. Uh, as people wanted to get real jobs, I wasn't ready. Uh, so I found that there was a thing called a tour manager which was basically what I was doing minus playing drums and having that sort of responsibility, you know, and then I became a sound engineer so I can get more gigs. Uh, throughout that time, I was touring with a lot of artists. And when you're a tour manager, you really get a lot of 
late night hours driving in a van and talking about, you know, where people are in life, uh, the mental stresses, missing home, or when you talk about how they feel like they're home on the road and when they're at home, they feel, you know, not quite right. And you get a lot of these really in-depth conversations. So with, with that and personal experiences of my mom suffering through mental illness and, you know, being by her side during electric shock treatment was, was, you know, it makes anybody an advocate. I'll tell you that. But with the addictions recovery thing that happened because I was out with an artist who was in recovery and then he re- relapsed while we were on tour and I thought I uh, could have helped better. So I went back to school, became a, a addictions counselor, worked at a bunch of different programs in my home city of Hamilton, Ontario. And then once I got those real life experiences, I brought it back out onto the road to work with artists. And while I was doing that, uh, I really recognized the power of peer support. And I started up a peer support group on Facebook, which soon became a nonprofit. Uh, me being a, having a background in music, I had no experience running a nonprofit. So, <laughs> so you know, people are like, oh, you run a nonprofit. How do you do? I'm like, I have no idea. So made a lot, a lot of mistakes, asked a lot of questions, Googled a whole bunch of stuff and talked to everybody I could. And uh, that was three and a bit years ago. And uh, now Over the Bridge is offering uh, peer support groups on Zoom twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays, as well as, uh, you know, we do harm reduction training. uh, And we, as 2021 comes upon us, our focus is on program development for touring musicians and crew. So not such a side job now. It's it's probably a full-time thing for you right now, is it? (laughs) Full time every day, except for this past weekend. But hey, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic! And Janine, tell us your story. Oh man, so my story—it's—it's it's really very personal. Um, the way that I got into into the music industry, but I started in public radio. So I originally worked for WBZ, which is Chicago's NPR station, and I did sales and then I got into marketing. It turned out most of my accounts were in the music industry. They were like all the music venues because I could have worked with the attorneys or the universities or, you know, whoever, but I preferred to work with all of the music venues. So I started going to a lot of shows and I learned stuff, you know, learned how that side of the industry went from that end. We also had uh, some podcasts, which was really cool. So that's how I got into, I learned about the podcast initially. But basically after WBZ, I ended up leaving because I got into a really long relationship with somebody who toured and we actually met at the station and I went and I tagged along on a few legs on the West Coast and we did South by and we did all this other stuff. I dabbled a little bit in tour managing with a friend's band, but then I ended up deciding to be a health coach. And the reason that I decided to be a health coach was because throughout this long relationship, I kind of lost who I was. I wasn't sure where I was going. I decided to be a high school teacher because that's what my degree was in. And so that, you know, that's kind of what where I ended up. But then I realized that after this relationship where I was on the opposite side. So Ace was, you know, he was the person who was on tour and he saw all of that for the most part. I was actually the other person who was home when my partner would return from tour. And we 
went through a lot. We had a lot of issues. Some of them were definitely just between us, but there was a lot of it that definitely was affected by the way that he had to balance this life outside of being home. And I didn't quite understand where our conflict came from. And when I started focusing in more on working on myself, I started to realize the part that I played in the relationship and how, and I wanted to know how I could help people who were in that space. And so through becoming a health coach, I decided, well, I want to help people who work on tour because that's what I know. I, I know that there's a need. And so I wanted to figure out what that need was exactly. So that's when I started my podcast. So the Tour Life podcast, I started interviewing friends that I had in the industry. And then it kind of just snowballed into some amazing people. Um, And most recently, I I met Ace through uh, TM101 because we did a health and wellness webinar there. But it's really been amazing because people have been trusting me with their stories. So if, if anything, I'm really just here to share to allow people to share their stories and to make a safe space so that they understand that it's okay to feel it the way that they feel. And for people outside of the industry to understand what it's like for people who tour, because it's a completely different world from most people's normal nine to fives. Mm. And I think, um, you know, it's interesting that you say that it's, it's so different, Janine, because I feel like if people just called up particularly general uh, mental health support they may or may not understand the context in which people uh, live and exist but you guys have both you know from either end of the spectrum been there and experienced that if you could articulate what that differences is from the from normal life like what what, it, what would be the sort of checklist of things that you would say to somebody in a generic industry you know why uh, entertainment lifestyle is particularly stressful uh, and um, it can have effects on your mental health? I would say that it's you're essentially living two different lives. And where the conflict comes in is when you're marrying those two lives together when you come off tour. And so that's usually where things get a little dicey because when you're on tour, you're, you're going and you're going and, and you have a schedule and you know what you're doing and that's where you're at your best. And then when you get home, it was kind of like you were in a time warp. Everything had stopped for you at home, but everything was kept going for everybody else. And so then there's some disconnect that happens there. Ace, can you speak a little bit on that? Yeah. So one of the things that uh, projects that I started even before Over the Bridge was a thing was research with uh, McMaster University, which is a, a large research uh university here in Hamilton that that looks towards uh, it's called post-performance mood response post-performance tour response and that can go for crew or or musicians or anybody on the road Uh, and what it is is when you're on the road and it's it's constant adrenaline your serotonin and dopamine levels go through the roof and it's sort of like take your fit the favorite the best day of your life uh, you know, whether it's getting married or the birth of a child, but that like not stopping for like a month, two months, three months. And then when you get home, you still got this, this energy and you're sort of on like just go mode all the time. So when you come down, it takes a while for those dopamine and serotonin levels to, to dip down and sort of become normalized again. So for the first couple of days, you're still riding high. And as Janine mentioned, there's a lot of conflict because 
there's a lot of things on the road that, that don't happen that happen at home. Like simple things like cleaning up after yourself, making your own food, doing your laundry. You know, laundry is something that you do once every couple of weeks and you wear dirty clothes the rest of the time. You know what I mean? So, so it's these simple responsibilities that get neglected on the road. And now you're supposed to, as Janine mentions, like you come home, the life continues on and you're supposed to just jump right into the same pace as everybody else is going. But in reality, you've been going 10 times as fast for constantly your balance is out of, out of whack, your life home balance because you're a hundred percent at work or you're a hundred percent at home. There's no, Oh, I'm home at five o'clock now. Right. Mm-hmm. And where you have those times, you know, in the evening to settle down. Well, in the evening time, you're gangbusters. You're, you're, it's showtime. It's time to go. And then once the show's over and you've loaded back up, if you're in a van and trailer or just a van tour, there's a good chance you're driving five or six hours after that show. You know, like it's not, it's just never over. So, but the post performance mood response is, you know, it's that high. So, how do you manage it? What's your post tour aftercare? Right. And, you know, I, I know some people who come home to families and they need two or three days. It's almost like the wife takes the kids to a hotel for a couple of days just so the husband can get uh, acclimated to what home life is. I've, I've come home. Like I remember one time I came home from tour. It was like three o'clock in the morning. I caught the, the last flight home or whatever. I've been out for eight weeks. I woke up and in every hotel room, uh, your bed's in the, in, in the middle of the room. My bed is, is up against my wall. So when I woke up, my, the wall was right there. I didn't recognize my own house for 20 minutes just because like, I was like, what? And I remember that freaking me out being like, how do I not recognize my own bedroom? Like, I remember going like, I, all this looks, stuff looks familiar. I've been here. I've definitely been here before, but, <laughs> but for a legit 15, 20 minutes to get your, your head wrapped around that, that you're actually home. And it's not a dream. It sort of screws with you for a second. <laughs> that reminded me. Um, so I noticed that uh, my partner used to do this. That he would always insist on like sleeping on the sofa. And it never really made sense to me. But right now mm. I'm like, oh, maybe it, that was, look, was more like a bunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not, it's not ready to get back into a normal bed yet. It was like, I'll just sleep on the couch for a bit. <laughs> Yeah, well, and those things are definitely, you know, we we laugh about them in retrospect because they start to make sense to us. But when you're in it, it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense to the people at home. And then the communication part, when you're trying to just shut your mind off, isn't something you really want to be doing, you know? So, the, so um, Ace, you know, the, the couples that, you know, that, that have been married and have been able to sustain good relationships, I think it's because at some point they figured that out, right? They figured out that it was probably a good idea to give that space and that things would be able to come around and be better once that space was provided. And mm-hmm. getting to that point, especially when it's a new relationship or when you haven't really, you're still working on a relationship, but it's really a long distance relationship most of the time. That whole piece is very difficult, especially when you don't have anyone to talk to. I mean, I remember Googling, you know, just keywords about like how to deal with boyfriend who is on tour and not finding anything or like finding maybe, you know, like an old, really old blog that like sort of gives like, you know, like a little diary sort of thing or whatever. But there weren't really that many resources. And this was, you know, this was years ago. And so, 
that that feeling of being alone and not understanding and kind of trying to figure out like, okay, well, what kind of relationship is this? Is this a relationship like one that a military couple would have? Is this a relationship like, you know, I even looked up basketball couples, like people who play sports overseas. I'm like, maybe that's something similar, you know, but yeah, it's, you know, those those are very real things. It's, and it's, and you know, it's a very, it's a chemical thing that's happening, like A said, and they're finding through the research that there is a connection and this is what happens. And so I think it's really, you know, people like me who are coaches or people like, like Ace and like, like you, like you, Anna, who are researching these things and who are having these conversations, it's important to understand that that's the way that you help people really by talking about it and putting it out on the table. Mm. And before we get into the COVID thing, because I think, you know, what's quite interesting is, you know, if you want to say where we're at now, you sort of have to understand the industry and the relationships that you're living in prior to, uh, say, the COVID period. One thing that interested me when we first chatted, Janine, was your discussion on the fact that, and maybe Ace, you can identify with this as well, just the lack of stability in the work and support um, on the road from a management point of view and it, it just you know when they say it's kind of a rock and roll lifestyle it is a little literally a rock and roll lifestyle you're not necessarily getting a regular income or you know regular holiday breaks or you know it's quite unstable do you think that that contributes and if so how much to the mental health of people um, who live that lifestyle so as far as the instability goes I think that's that's one thing that I, I just remember whenever I have these conversations, there's always an element of fear and not really knowing what's next. And the, at, at the point where it you start to trust that your career is, you know, is, is in a good place and there's always going to be a gig and you don't really have to worry about it, it happens over time. But at the end of the day, it's still this, the nature of the job, right? To, to, to take a gig and then not really know when the next tour is going to be. It's almost like you're, you're always kind of just just waiting on other people and there's only so much that is is in, under your control and so that does cause a sense of instability which i think can be difficult for anybody to deal with but then you know you add on all of these other elements it ends up being really complicated and ace i'm really curious about how that sense of stability has shown up in your work big time well you know, for, first to say it takes about seven or eight years for any business to, to become solid and to be able to count on it. So as, as a roadie, it takes about, you know, six, seven, eight years for people to get that regular income up and going, right? And yes, we do, we do get used to the, to the lack of balance. You, you know what I mean? Uh, and, in financial security, weirdly enough, you do get used to it. But now with COVID, it definitely adds in another, you know, different level of stress and anxiety. Just because obviously now it doesn't matter. It's not even about how good I am at my job or what connections. You know, it's it's obviously about the situation. So with with working in music, it does bring a sense of pride. It brings you a sense of confidence. Because, hey, music is amazing and it makes us feel wonderful things. So when, we're, when we have the ability to help bring thousands of people together to create a moment, sometimes for some of those people, it's the best experience of their life. Maybe it's their first concert. You know, we get that, that's an excitement that, 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 that really excites me. You know, talking to people, it's like, ah, this is my first concert in, in, in five years. 
right? And then that, you know, those conversations really make me appreciate that I get to see this almost every night. But, but now we don't get to do that for other people. Uh, and that really bums me out. But the instability of finance, yeah, it, it, it's not just music industry, it's everybody right now, you know, any business person. It just happens that the music industry is full of independent contractors, right? So that's why I think it's, it's the music industry is definitely taking it harder than a lot of the other industries just because the amount of independent contractors there are, you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to uh, someone working at, at a restaurant. It's not the employees are going to feel it, but the business owners are going to be feeling it more, right? Uh, and the business owners are, are almost like a buffer in between the employees, hopefully in most cases. Mm-hmm. But when you got, you know, millions of people in the music industry and everyone's their own little boss, there's no buffer. And uh, I, I think that's definitely taken a toll on people. And it's not necessarily, I think this is the time where I feel that entertainment as a general banner is we're all in that same together. Because, you know, in events, they're contractors. In music industry, it's contractors. And even in certain theatrical realms or freelance, you know, I've been working freelance for a few years as well. So it's that um, we're, it's the time that we're actually all in that same boat, you know, in terms of entertainment. What were you going to say, uh, Janine? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and with COVID, it does it because, you know, you're the nature of the job is to be resilient to, you know, these fluctuations and in your, your finances, you have to learn how to balance everything out. And that's something you do as you progress in your career. You have to learn how to deal with this sort of daily instability that you get, but then you're able to have some sort of structure by simply being on tour, right? But when now you guys are dealing with a situation where you're at home, you're, you still have that instability, but it's so much bigger because like you said, Ace, it's not just about what you're doing. It's what the whole, like everyone is doing. And that causes all sorts of anxiety, right? I mean, how many conversations have we had about just concerned about why people don't wear masks. Like if you guys just wore masks, we would have a better sense of hope for the future because it would hopefully come fast, you know? And so those are the sorts of things that definitely take a toll on people. But even when you're on tour, I mean, and when you come home, just having that, and this is what we were talking about, Anna, also, is that because there isn't like a corporate structure and there isn't really a, a place to kind of, you know, to, to kind of take reference from so that you know kind of how things are supposed to go and stuff like that, those are in and of itself elements that will cause a sense of instability. And that's something that, you know, I I would love to get a little bit of more insight on, especially from Ace, because it's like, you know, you you mentioned the the financial aspect of it and how you kind of have to deal with that. Do you see a parallel in the way that we're all having to deal with this COVID reason that we have this financial instability and just... The, the way that when you're when you come up in the industry, because remember, some people haven't have have just gotten started, you know, and they're mm-hmm. just dealing with these issues. And have you seen like how has that changed and developed over time and how have you been able to deal with it better? And has that helped with dealing with COVID? When you ask, like, how do I deal with it? How I deal with it? That, that's a very personal question. Everyone's going to have their own right. uh, answer. For, for, for me, one thing that COVID has brought to me is that I've been able to have a sense of schedule, 
you know, which, which is, which is something I've never had before. My, my schedule was very up and down. Some days I have 6 a.m. start times, 4 a.m. start times. Sometimes it's not until three in the afternoon. Right now, you know, for, for me right now, finding the balance that I was lacking before has really helped. So I wake up at six o'clock. I do my yoga at seven to eight. I eat my breakfast by nine, unless I'm intermittent fasting, then I don't eat until 12. Uh, sorry, Janine and I just did an intermittent fasting challenge together with a bunch of uh, group members from the Over the Bridge Peer Support Group. So anyways, I'm picking that back up in uh, January, Janine. But hey, it's holiday. <laughs> <laughs> a lifestyle. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. But, you know, how other people have been handling, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to, to talk to a lot of people. You know, I talked to about 20 people a week outside the peer support groups, and we talked about this a lot. And people are struggling, man. People, for one reason or another, they're unable to find that structure. Uh, when you're on the road, you know, as Janine mentioned, you know, your, your daily schedule is already sought out for you. Someone, a.k.a. tour manager Ace, goes, here's your schedule for the day. You know, gives you a piece of paper or looks in your master tour app and, and your, and your schedule's there. You, you don't have to worry about how you're getting there. You don't have to worry about, I tell you everything. And you just kind of get to go through the motions until you get to the show and your schedule's there. Now, now that people are, people from the industry are home, or at least for the tour managers or sorry, crew people, you got to make your own schedule up and you got to be accountable for yourself. It's easier to be accountable to other people than it is to yourself. And now everyone has to look at themselves and be like, oh, I got to be accountable for myself. Nah, it's all right. I'm not used to it. And they go back to bed. Would you say that's one of the reasons that you love being on tour, that people love being on tour, that they yeah. don't have to make up their own structure? <laughs> yeah, the structure is already there. Even me, I'll, I'll, I'll make up my own, you know, I get to schedule everything, how everything fits. But I do that. You know, weeks in advance, you know, I could tell you what's going on in a show in, you know, North Carolina, you know, three weeks, I could tell you exactly what I'm doing minute to minute. So I just end up going through those mo motions as well. So I set my own schedule, but it's like, I don't even schedule it because I've done it so far in advance that I just have to look through my notes. And be like, Oh yeah. Okay. I got to go pay. Okay. It's settlement time. Oh, time to check out merch time. It, it tells me everything that I need to do. So yeah. So is that is that what you, you know, obviously both of you have had probably a lot of discussions in 2020 with with people who are going through these situations and 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 before we talk about the industry coming back into covid and how we should move forward, what are you what are you, what tips are you sort of, you know, is it is it ACU saying like put a structure to your day and, and set some simple goals like what, what are you what are you telling people and also I mean we have to acknowledge as well that there's a lot of people in certain financial situations and in different levels of COVID stress because of how each country is handling the situation and I feel mm -hmm. like you have a little bit of COVID envy when you see other people or other countries <laughs> kicking back and going out to barbecues when you're like stage three tier four second you know fourth round, fourth wave of COVID. So, like, you know, can you give us a little bit of, you know, advice or tips on, on whoever's dealing or whoever's listening at the moment, what, what, what could they do? Find yourself an accountability buddy, whether it's your, your partner at home, wife, husband, you know, kid, friend, parent. Find yourself an accountability partner, I, I think, is number 
you know, should be top of the list. So that way, if you just decide to slide something off, you got your, your buddy being like, Hey, we should do this. You, you know what I mean? And if both people are saying, nah, we shouldn't do that. Then you both know you're in the wrong and get to doing whatever you need to be doing. <laughs> so, but yeah, but accountability is hard, but get, get yourself an accountability partner. I, I think it would be first and foremost, you know, jo- join a group uh, I, in, uh, you know, there's zoom groups, there's, um, there's webinars, there's things like this. So whoever's watching, thank you. This is, you've done a great job on taking personal accountability for your now and for your future. So thank you very much who, for everyone who's, uh, you know, uh, tuned in to watch us uh, talk for a bit. So yeah, put things on your schedule. Um, yeah, I completely agree. But I, I think one of the, the, the really important things for all of us is to recognize and accept that things are difficult to not try to be the strongest person and to not try to be, you know, the toughest and try to pretend that things aren't happening. I mean, I've, I've cried it out a few times, especially early on in the pandemic, just randomly, not even really sure why, because I was like, I think I'm fine, but you have to allow yourself to feel it and to, you know, that, that envy that you may feel when other people are doing things or the anger that you're feeling whenever you see people doing things that you think are, are counterproductive, you know, those feelings are valid and it's okay to feel them. And those feelings will make you, will help you make better decisions moving forward. So I think it's really important, number one, to recognize those feelings and to sit with them. And then the other thing is to find a way to be accountable to yourself, like, like I said, and in order, you know, in order to find an accountability buddy, you have to reach out to people. So it's really important to just try to communicate with somebody. I know for some people that, that, you know, that I'm friends with, it, it has always been really hard to communicate. I mean, it's, it's something that you, they had to work at and now you know, you have to work at it that much harder because you have to reach out through to people through the internet. You have to give them a call. You know, don't just text someone. If it's a friend, if it's somebody that, that you are used to seeing in person, FaceTime them so that you can actually see their face. It's really important to actually see people's faces. So I think, you know, definitely recognize your feelings, sit with them and accept them and, val- you know, validate them. And then, actually communicate with people so that you can, you know, find somebody to help you through it. It's really important. You can't do this alone. Yeah, absolutely. Petra asks the, uh, what was the state of you coming back down after tour? Ace, what was it called? The, the term is called post-performance depression. Mm-hmm. Although for the sake of our uh, research, putting depression at the end of post-performance is a leading phrase so if anybody who was going in to do the research, they'd be like, oh, so they're after depression uh, responses, which wasn't the case. So we, so we had to change it to post-performance mood response. We were able to get over 400 musicians to participate, and uh, I have a team analyzing the data as we speak, and hopefully the findings will be out in, shortly in the new year. So uh, once we've been able to come to our conclusions, we can potentially right definition for post-performance depression depending on their findings so we'll see which is a term we've heard all the time right we just call it post-tour depression like 
Yeah. Is, but, when you crash, but, when you come home from tour, but you're validating that. And this is what's, what's right. really important too, validating these anecdotal uh, situations and seeing that it's, it's, it's a scientific thing. You can prove it with science through research and that way you, you can find a way to do something about it, which I think is really important. Do you think, do you guys think that, you know, I think with particularly this year and uh, the industry in events and, you know, I see Robert says about art performing artists as well in New York City and, and, and I guess around the globe, is is, there, is this highlighted that there's not enough mental health support in our our realm or, you know, have you guys been busy? Is is this a, a peak time for you guys? And, and do you think that we need to be better when we come back from COVID at providing uh, support for people in the industry from a mental health perspective? Well, well I, I think music industry and performance support has definitely lacked in the past. But like I'm talking about specific support because – you know, a lot of musicians I've talked to, they go out there, talk to therapists on that, which is very helpful. Don't get me wrong. But, but, but there's definitely, depending on the therapist you get, sometimes there's a disconnect between their understandings of the music culture. And that's one of the, the large gaps that Over the Bridge has, has found. And as we, like I mentioned earlier, moving into 2021, filling in those gaps for music industry specific people is, is our, primary focus so yeah i think as far as mental health there and there are resources that have been around but as ace points out as far as finding pointed help for people in the industry where you're talking to somebody who actually understands where you're coming from there are gaps however there are great organizations that are doing the work and something that I really, I really want to stress, it's not about starting something new necessarily all the time. You don't always have to start a new organization. It's important to find what's already out there and leverage it so that you can collaborate and create something that works because it's really easy to just, you know, start your own thing and start a nonprofit and then, you know, start from scratch, but then you're, you're, you're just, you're reinventing the wheel, right? Why not build on top of the things that organizations are already doing? So we've had examples where, you know, people will reach out to me and they'll say, well, I'm thinking about starting a support group. Well, I happen to know that Over the Bridge already does an amazing job at support groups and they have them weekly. And, you know, there's, there's all, so maybe you guys can work together in order to make something even bigger, right? We have Roadie Clinic, which has started working with pretty much every organization that we've talked to, including Tour Management 101 and Over the Bridge. And Roadie Clinic wants to have advocates on the road for every tour that that advocate for mental health and for physical wellness and emotional wellness on tour. You know, so these things exist. Um, if you go to showmakers.com, that's another place where it's just a list of resources. You know, um, Theater Art Life, you put together a list of resources. So the resources are there. It's about reaching out to people and then building upon what's already been laid out. And do you think that, you know, in terms of, I, I'm fascinated about in, in the music industry about getting health and well-being people into the tours because I think that's an amazing aspect and I think that should definitely be a focus of uh, many entertainment industries to bring that into our, our workplace. 
and and you know I used to work in circus so we have coaches for physical health and physical ability why would you not have the same thing for mental health you know I, I, I there's not there's not a huge difference there for me um especially when people are on tour or they're moving countries and living and working in in, in environments that they're, they're not used to do you think then that there, there should be some responsibility on say you know depending on what the titles are in the music industry but you know tour managers company managers producers technical directors to be advocates for this coming back out of COVID? And do you think there'll be a larger insistence on this now that we've had to suffer through 2020 and 2021? Yes, short answer, yes. I think it's important for everyone who, and this is something, this is a conversation I had with with some amazing people who, one was an agent, one was a tour manager, there was uh, another one who was on the promoter end. And, you know, and we all agreed, it's really important for all of us who get it, right, who understand the importance of mental health and, and your emotional well-being on tour. It's important for us to work together because we get it. But what's really, really, really important, too, is to figure out a way to get the people who don't care on board as well. Mm. Um, and a lot of these people who I would say don't care you know, they can come from anywhere in the industry. You know, some some people have, have had horrible tour managers that have been awful to everybody or production managers that are just really, really, you know, they just want to get it done and they don't really care about the person, right? But there are plenty of people who do care about the person. And I think as far as getting the message out, it's really just about advocating for it, communicating to the people that you work with that it's something that you care about. And I do think it's a personal responsibility that we all have. But in addition to that, there needs to be a responsibility from the people who are putting together the budgets to actually work it into the budget. Because somebody who's handling the production of, you know, a multi-bus tour does not necessarily have the time to constantly be worrying about people's mental health. You know, somebody, a tour manager who is dealing with, you know, A, B and C crew doesn't have the the mental capacity and the the bandwidth to deal with, you know, the HR issues on on the tour. Right. And this is something that has happened. And that's why those things fall through the cracks, because they're things that you can compartmentalize and you can push to another day, but then they never really get taken care of. So it's important to have somebody on tour who is able to handle that. And in order to do that, bottom line, you have to get the people who are in charge of the budgets to care. Would you agree, Ace? Yeah, there's not, not much I, I can add there, you know, and you need the right people in place because if you expect a tour manager or production manager to take on that, to take on the responsibility, it's not fair to them because A, doing what we are proposing here uh, takes a different skill set. You know, a, a guy who's sitting there loading trucks and making sure the stage goes up and down, it's not his, you know, where in his skill set does it say he has to be a mental health advocate and coach as well mm-hmm. on top of that. You know, that's not what they've been training for for the last, you know, some of these guys been on it for 30, 40 years, you know, and even for, for the new guys, you know, then you're, you got a young tour manager who's 18, 19, who happened to got, get that gig because his buddy is in a band and they just finally got thrown van. And now they're going across state lines, you know, and is this kid's responsibility to be everybody's mental health uh, savior? 
you know, it, it, it's just the realistic reality of the situation. You know, you got to be careful on who you put into those positions as, as well. So it comes down to budget, right? But when you're looking at artists who are, you know, who are on the bottom working their way up, you know, you got to, you got to put that money where it makes, where it most makes sense. Sure. It can be Spears, Justin Timberlake, you, you know, all those large artists afford it. Sure. No problem. Have a therapist, have a counselor, have a whole team. I'm pretty sure they, they can afford it. I've never seen their budgets, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure they could, you know, as opposed to that band who just got signed to a 360 deal, who's in a minivan with a trailer and you know, the, the van is 15 years old and they bought off their brother's, you know, buddy, you know, <laughs> if they have any extra money outside of feeding themselves, what are they going to put it towards? Maybe a guy who's help them load the gear, you know, a buddy will sell merch, a buddy do that. Yeah. It's not who's willing to do it, up. right? Who's willing yeah. to do it. So. And you know, it's something that that roadie clinic has has is is doing an amazing job, and this is part of their plan is to make it so that we have access to the information in order to like if you care about this, because at the end of the day, I feel like it really is a culture issue. And if you care about the well-being of the humans on your team, you don't necessarily have to put forth all of your effort into just you know, making sure that everything's good as far as mental health goes and, and wellness, but you can make decisions that are based on taking care of the humans in the group that you're dealing with. So it, it very much is a culture thing. And that's why it's very important for the tour managers who are veterans to, you know, when they bring on new people to instill this culture of caring, this culture of wellness this culture of taking care of each other. Because as much as we like to say that the music industry is a pirate ship, it's no longer just a pirate ship. Now we are connected. We're able to have these conversations. Something that I try to get across to people outside of the industry is that it, it may seem like it's just this glamorous party atmosphere and everything's good and everyone's just having fun. It's very much a business. That's what it is. And in order to take care of the business, you have to take care of the people within the business and you have to promote a culture of well-being within that business. Yeah, I mean, creating that culture um, in whatever area of entertainment is really important. What are, And so I, I think that that we've put the responsibility on the producers and the people who are making the budgets and all of that sort of stuff. What do you think, what about the crew and the individuals, you know, coming back in, they're not going to be necessarily in a position to make those decisions or enforce it. And and I can imagine maybe that if there's a whole team of people that are not caring and you're this one person putting your hand up and saying, I'd like us to talk about mental health, um, that may or may not come across very well. What If somebody's feeling quite powerless about that, what would you suggest that they do? Janine mentioned there's a whole lot of organizations, and because I'm here and they're not, uh, I'm going to say join <laughs> <laughs> Join our Over the Bridge peer support group on, on Facebook. It's an avenue to ask questions, to, you know, to share some information. We're always encouraging members to, you know, it, because like there's so much information in the world, you know, so our group, I like, I like to really encourage people to say, if you find something that you think will be useful, you know, post it, 
you know, because because the music industry is a unique culture, and within our culture, the subcultures based on the genre of music that 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 you're playing. You know, a country guy, a guy in the country world is going to take in information differently than so- someone from the underground hip hop world, as opposed to someone in the death metal scene from Europe. You know, how we intake information is going to be different in, in how it connects with us. So we want everybody to bring the resources to let us know what's on your mind. And so other people can help you. And so you can help other people. It's a, it's a great peer support uh, group. We have over 1,200 members from all over the globe. And it's it, it, and so if you want to be an advocate and you want to don't know how to start, here's a great place to ask. So, and, and is that okay if they're like not necessarily in the music industry and they're more doing events and stuff like you know because there's very similar there's a lot of parallels. Are you okay if somebody from the events groups come in and yeah. say, "Hey, yeah, can yeah. we get some advice?" <laughs> yeah, for, for 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 sure. Over the bridge started as a music industry focused organization uh, because that's where I came from. But as we grow, you know, if you're in entertainment and events. You know, c- come on in. We're, we're, we're here for you. If you want to advocate in your culture, the culture that you've created, we're here for you. Well, and Anna brings up, brings up a good point, though. You know, what if you're that person? What if you're the only person who cares in the group? Um, how do you have that conversation? Well, I think it starts with you, right? So I know as a coach, I know from my personal experience that the answers to change and the answers to improving somebody's lifestyle doesn't come from me telling them what to do. It comes from me modeling something that I think is positive, that makes me feel good. And then hopefully spreading that goodness out into the world, just through my example, because you are not going to change people's minds. You can start having the conversation, but some people are really uncomfortable. I mean, I've had friends who you know, we start talking about nutrition and they just completely check out. They're like, I, no, like I'm sick of it. I hate it. And then, it, you know, that causes more conflict, right? Where if you just live that way, if you, if every interaction that they have with you, you seem to be happy and you seem to have some sort of structure that's allowing you to have a positive impact on everything that you're doing, people will see that. They'll see it and then they'll want to see what, what your secret sauce is, right? They'll try to figure it out. They'll, then they'll start asking you questions. And that opens up an opportunity to have deeper conversations. And if they want to continue to have even deeper conversations, that's when if you're aware of the resources, you can point them in the direction of further resources. And this goes for any industry that you're in. I mean, you know, if if a friend asks me, hey, how did you find out about this? Like, you know, it seems like you're doing really well. If I'm prepared with a, with a list of resources and I could direct them to a website where they could go to find help or I can direct them to over the bridge so they can actually go talk to someone because that's where they'll find people in that are having that same experience as them. I'm doing my job as an advocate. But I'm not sitting here pulling teeth, trying to convince everyone to think the way that I think, because that doesn't work. One thing I notice is, as an advocate, people don't want to hear you just talking about it all the time. But people will come to you and ask you questions if you walk the walk. There's nothing more important than living by example. So 
you know, you talk about it when you can, you bring it up, you post things and people know that you're interested in it. You know, just like anything else, if you, if you post about shredding guitar all the time, if you find a cool video about a guitar shredder, you're probably going to post it to your, to, to that buddy, you know, who's really in, into guitar. So, you know, talk about it when you can, post about it, let people know that you're interested in it because people who are curious about it, they'll come to you when they're comfortable, right? So, and, you know, f- this works for me and it may not work for everybody, but I, I feel comfortable putting my, my life out on social media. So when I do yoga, sometimes I videotape myself doing yoga. So the next thing I know, I got people ask me yoga questions. I really don't know. I just, I just follow a video, you know what I mean? But I make the time for it. You know, and same with mental health conversation. Put yourself out there, and especially if you want to be that advocate, walk the walk, and pe- pe- you know, talk is cheap. So, mm, yeah. you know. for a lot of people, it's really just it's embarrassing. I mean, you know, it's like you have these like tough guys that are, are like you know, or girls who are who have are in this world who are they have to be tough, and then you know, you're asking them to embrace this really emotional softer side of of a human of, of being a human right that's 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 what we're all being asked to do especially when we're in crisis we're being asked to actually take a step back and care about these these feelings that we've been pushing to the side for so long and it's difficult for people to do that and it's difficult for them to actually show other people that they're doing it. But if they see you embracing those feelings, you're giving them the green light to explore it a little bit further. Mm. One last question, I think, before we finish up, in terms of, you know, I think we wrote off 2020 and we're still, we're not cruising into 2021 anytime soon, which is fairly disappointing for all of us. And I think, you know, one thing that I find about a lot of people in our industry, they're very resilient and they endure a lot. And, and, you know, they go hard, like you said, ace for, you know, months on end on tours and come home and crash. Is this a different kind of endurance for this industry now to get through this period and out the other side than, than, than our work? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go back to what I said whenever one of the original things I said, which was create yourself a schedule. Get yourself an accountability person. Uh, wake up, do some physical exercises. Watch out what you eat. Things like that, you know, I'm sure Janine could comment on, on, on that sort of stuff more than I can. But I, I find that's what, that's what, what helps is like not to think about too much in the future about the what ifs or, you know, that they could have, would have, should have, and, you know, what may or may not happen. I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a mind reader. You know, I'm not a future teller. I can't tell that. But what, what I can tell is what I'm going to do in tomorrow morning for me. Yeah. That's really important to focus on today. Uh, because Anna, it it really is. It's the the type of endurance that we're dealing with now is is, is really long, long term. I mean, if if you've been doing short runs, like now we're doing like a marathon, and it's it's important to focus on just what you have control of today. We don't have control of other people. We don't have control of what our governments do. We don't have control of the virus. All we have control is about is what we do every single day. So find ways to improve your skill set. Take a class. There's tons of free resources, tons of free classes. Right now, I would recommend everybody does, you know, there's COVID um, certifications and things. You never know. We might, you might need somebody, you know, in, in your job where, 
you might be the only one who has the certification and there you go. And a lot of these things are free resources. Watch the webinars, join the, join the groups, talk to your friends, improve yourself as a person. Because at the end of the day, we have to recognize that although we're talking about the industries, the entertainment industry as a whole, we're all individuals. And the way that a, a, a large organization thrives is by having individuals that are thriving every day in their own personal lives. So please just focus on taking care of your every day, one day at a time. That's amazing advice. Thank you so much. Also, we have those resources on Theatre Art Life. So theatreartlife.com forward slash evolution. Click on mental health and wellbeing tab. There's some resources there for people to go to if you need some support and some help. Please don't be hesitant to reach out. And I'd also say, seeing I've seen been around a few people that have gained support, that if you're not finding it from one, don't give up. Find it from somebody else. Um, explore a few resources or a few therapists or people that might help you uh, to find your right fit. It is a right fit that you need to get when you are looking for support. Please uh, reach out for those resources if you need them. Janine Ace, thank you so much for spending an hour with us at Theatre Art Life today. I so appreciate your insight, your knowledge and your experience with uh, mental health and support. Yeah, and before we go, if anybody wants to reach out to Janine or I, I'm sure you can find us on uh, Facebook, and I believe we both put our email addresses in the chat section on the side, so please reach out to us. Shoot us a DM, no big deal, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, reach out. And check out, the po- check out the podcast, of course, right? Of course, yes, the podcast. Yes, the Fair Life podcast and the hashtag Thriving podcast. fantastic thank you again so much guys for your time um i wish you all the best in the next coming months and uh yeah and i hope you have the great rest of your holiday season thank you you too bye everybody we would love to hear from you our listeners on who you would like us to feature on this podcast or what topics fascinate you there is a link in our podcast description where you can send us your requests and guest nominations Theatre Art Life provides regular monthly webinars and podcast episodes for free. If you have the means, donations can be made via a link in the podcast notes. We would be thankful for any support you can give us. You can learn more about Theatre Art Life, the global media site for entertainment, at www.theatreartlife.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. We want to thank David Sire for composing the music for our podcast and Michelle Sharota, who is our sound engineer. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre at Life podcast.